Welcome to The Q, Conversations in Digital Media. This podcast is brought to you by Q1 Media, digital campaign execution and optimization since 2004. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Q. This is your host, James McNeil, again with, uh, God, this is our 26th episode. So I thank you all for listening and joining. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there needing some fresh content, and hopefully this provides you with some entertainment. Our guest today is a very exciting one, uh, Drew Sugars. He is the Director of Communications and Community Relations for Glendale Community College. So for all those educators out there, or people working for universities, heck, even high schools, or any level of education, this is going to be a very interesting podcast for you. Drew was very open with just all the details that they have gone through specifically in the community college area. Um, they're out of Glendale, which is just out just still in LA County. It's just outside of the main proper LA. Uh, you go over kind of the mountains a little bit, you'll hit it. Uh, so this is an, an amazing interview uh, just for the, describing what's what's going on, what they're doing, uh, what details in terms of how they're pivoting and targeting students and what messages they're putting out there to attract potential students because that has frankly changed a lot during this time and the last two months have been a whirlwind he also describes about his daughter who was a just graduated from high school she's class of 2020 and how that process and and what they went through and what what next step she's going to take and just in general for anyone uh any 18 year olds who are going through that at this time so it's a very cool interview he even ended with an amazing michael jordan story which kind of is timely because of the the jordan tim park documentary uh that espn did so it was really cool he gave us some good uh good things to 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 discuss about that but it was it was a really cool interview i hope you guys enjoy it you're in the queue all right drew thanks for joining us here on the queue uh first of all it's a pleasure to have you on you're you you've got a lot of broadcast experience you're used to these podcasts you understand what's going on you were just telling me your wife is doing podcasts as well like what what has quarantine life been like for you and your family Oh boy, yeah, crazy. Well, first off, thanks for thanks for having me. I'm always uh, surprised when people invite me because I don't think I have much to talk about. But we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll find out at the end if that's true or not. Um, yeah, my wife and I have been working at home. Uh, I work for uh, Glendale Community College, and I've been able to work remotely. I go in uh, now and then, about every other week for a day or so. She works for the Hollywood Burbank Airport. She does public relations and marketing for them and air service development. She's been largely working at home as well. And that's, that's been okay. I mean, it's been okay. The problem is uh, a couple of years ago, we bought this house here in LA um, uh, really with the idea that it would be our empty nest house because our three kids were growing. Two boys were at away at college. My, our youngest daughter was about to graduate from high school. Now we have all three adult children living with us in this house. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I love my children dearly. They need to get the hell out of the house as soon as possible. I'm I'm kidding. It's funny. It's bittersweet. In all seriousness, it's bittersweet because I know this time is limited. They're going to, they will be leaving the nest soon, but because of circumstances, they're all here. So we have dinners every night. Um, we're in each other's face. Um, my daughter just finished high school, so now she now has some free time. She works for Starbucks and, and, and works a little bit. 
Uh, my two boys, I have a 23-year-old who was working for Warner Brothers doing some marketing, uh, editing for some of the marketing uh, department, one, one of their marketing departments. And his hours have been hit or miss. He, he's done weeks where he's worked almost every day, and he's done where he hasn't worked for a week and a half. So I've been watching wow. him be affected by this. And then my 20-year-old son, who... Um, uh, works full time for Warner Brothers. He works on one of their animated shows, and he is busy nonstop uh, every day. Um, he's on calls. He's a program. Uh, uh, what's his? Title? He's like a production coordinator, and so he's on the phone with the artists uh, because animation is is thriving right now because it's one of the few things that you can do in the entertainment industry. And so I'm very proud of him at 20 years old. He has a very responsible job um, uh, working in animation. And um, what's funny, though, is the 20-year-old sits at the dining room table with his computer and is constantly shushing everybody because he's on a call. I'm like, who's paying the mortgage in this house right now? <laughs> he's, he dominates. Um, but, he um, can go in the garage. What does he do? Well, <laughs> no, that, the 23-year-old goes in the garage. Uh, he's uh, either editing or playing video games with his friends. Uh, online um, when he's not working. So yeah, it's, it's been interesting. Uh, we're very blessed because m- we're pretty much working. We are healthy. Um, we're in this for the long haul. And as long as we need to do this, we're willing to do this. And uh, it's in some ways it's gone by very fast. I can't believe it's been two months already that we've been in this. I, I can't either. It's, it's, yeah, we're going on, this is the week nine, I guess. It's hard to wow. keep track. Yeah. Um, I've lost maybe track. even 10. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I think it, it has been strange. I think you're right, though, with everything that has happened. Obviously, it's been horrible for many people. It, you really, truly are blessed if you're able just to, to do things um, yeah. and keep your mind occupied. And I know that's that's difficult to do for anybody at a young age. And, and you were telling me your daughter is a part of the class of 2020, which yeah. I, you're one of the first people I've talked to with uh, someone of that age uh, who uh, will go down in history as one of the most famous graduating high school classes. How has that, how's that been yeah. for her? It's been a journey. Um, and I'll try not to get into too much personal stuff because I don't want to bore people. It's like showing vacation <laughs> photos, right? Oh, yeah. But, but uh, I, think, I think she is a unique story in the sense that uh, she represents a part of our society, and that is the class of 2020, specifically high school. Colleges, yes, class of 2020, but high school, as we all know, uh, there are so many milestones that happen when you're a senior in high school. And hers kicked off in a rough way in that um, she's part of show choir. If you ever watch the show Glee, she's in that type of show choir. And very, high, very competitive. Once a year, they travel somewhere in the country and compete on a national level. And this year, they went to Chicago. And it was the week that everything blew up in March. And they flew out. Wednesday morning when people were aware of COVID and it was starting to pick up. Uh, but at that, that morning, it's, it's easy to forget, but things were happening by the hour. If you remember that week, right. just every that was hour. The go, that was the Gobert day. That was the, the, the day the NBA and yes. Trump did his address. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. The NBA was that, that day, later that day on Wednesday. And, and I always look at that as the line of demarcation. Once the, once the NBA called off their games. And I think it was Oklahoma city game that literally pulled everybody off the court. Um, yep. You knew, okay, 
all right, this is happening. This is happening. So that morning, they had flown to Chicago with the intent to compete that Saturday. My wife and I were actually in New Orleans. Uh, she had a business trip. I went with her, and then we we're going to fly to Chicago. And I remember just every day we're checking the news, what's happening, what's happening. And um, long story short, uh, by Thursday morning, they had canceled their competition. And that was the first of many things that were canceled for her. In fact, uh, her classmates back in high school had from Wednesday to Friday to kind of mentally transition to that, hey, we're leaving school. We may never come back. She left on Tuesday and said goodbye to her friends. Like, hey, we're going to Chicago. I'll see you next week on Monday when we get back. She left and didn't know that that was the last time she would set foot on her high school campus. So she lost prom, she lost the competition season, she lost just many, many things. And and so it was tough, it was tough. Uh, I really felt for her and, and you had to let her grieve and go through that process. And and you didn't wanna, I didn't wanna tell her, hey, it's gonna be okay when you get older. It'll be, it's, I can't say that, I didn't lose all those things. So, and when you're 18, everything is, exaggerated so it's it's been tough but maybe later in this podcast when we're talking about my college i can talk a little bit more yeah. about her experience and and how i think it's very representative of what a lot of our students are going to be going through at the college well but, that's but, i mean we can dive into it now i mean i think yeah. that with you know you work for a community college and you handle not just marketing and and you know working on campus with students but you also are in charge of every sort of communication uh that that goes out of the college and yes. communicate with the the local municipalities the mm -hmm. the local stations news stations the press yeah. how was that moment in that week those following two weeks being working for a, a community college and having to basically pivot every sort of process during that yeah. time. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, I love my job. I love the mission. I love the students. It's been it's been great. Uh, but I've only been doing this for three years in a community college. When I got out of broadcast, I was in broadcasting for 17 years. I got out about 12 years ago. My first job outside was for the Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Office and it was law enforcement and busy job something happening all the time, sometimes major events like wildfires, the death of Michael Jackson, the Michael Jackson case, things like that. Huge, huge media. Uh, then I went to the city of Burbank and, and a lot happening in that city. So those jobs, there was always something going on. The college is different. It's, it's more paced. It's, it's, there's a lot of sameness to it. And I don't want to suggest that it's boring because there's plenty of things, but it does lack that, that daily excitement of kind of, what the heck's going to happen today? You kind of know it's going to happen. Well, you came from a background where everything was, you You were on the oh. surface of everything that happened within the past, I guess, for, I guess it was like 20 years, right? That you were yes. doing that. Oh, absolutely. And and that was in news was that way. Uh, you know, you go in, what's mm -hmm. going to happen today? And same thing with the sheriff's office, what's going to happen today? Even with the city, there was a lot of things that would arise. And the way I liken it is I went from a career of playing defense all the time it was very reactionary. I would react to things. I go to the college and now I'm on offense. Now I have the ball and I'm pushing the ball down the field. I'm trying to get coverage in the media. I'm trying to get our message out. Where a lot of times when you're law enforcement, you're trying to almost keep the media at bay. You're, you're trying to keep them at arm's length. Here, I'm trying to, hey, hey, look at us over here. Give us some attention. <laughs> totally different. Totally different. So 
this was the first time other than a couple like a gas leak or a few things that would happen where it was big this was big and it was happening fast and it really felt like i was back in news again in the sense that um or in crisis management um uh, uh when you're when you're dealing with uh, wildfires and things like that so um uh, in one sense, there there was that adrenaline rush where it's go go. We got to make this happen, um, and then just kind of figuring out what's hap- what's what wh- what is happening and what is the information we need to share. So in the very early going, a lot of the information was around just educating people on what is coronavirus and what does this mean. And and very early on, we actually had a web page up dedicated to that late January. We went live on that, I think, January 30th. We created through our wow. health center. Yeah, they were, they were, and I credit them. They were proactive. They came to our office and said, hey, we need this thing, coronavirus, and like, what is that? Um, so we had created uh, information that was more educational. What is it? Wash your hands. How do you, you know, how do you, what are the symptoms? Things like that. Then it transitioned. Then it ramped up in March. It ramped up very quickly to what does this mean? Are, are we safe here? Can we come to class? And for about a week, it was like, yeah, no, we're going to have classes. And then all of a sudden it was, no, we're not having classes. We're shutting down for a week. Now what do we do? And we, we basically closed for two weeks. Um, Actually, I think it was only a week. We shut down for a week, and then we shifted to remote learning, and which is pretty much what everyone's doing, which is a form of online education. It's a little bit. We had a lot of online classes, and and this I hate these terms because it usually confuses people. But they call it synchronous versus asynchronous. Synchronous basically meaning you go to class at a specific time, where most online classes are asynchronous. You don't have a set time to meet. Right. Right. Okay. So, so the asynchronous online classes always existed. Now the traditional classes had shifted to this remote learning model and technically are different from online, but you're using the same technology in a lot of ways to, to teach the class. And um, so we had to, we had to train teachers how to do this. Uh, a lot of them had never done it. Um, some were very slow to get around to online. It's, they were did not into it, and we couldn't force them, and now they were forced to do it. So, um, and, and then we had to help the students, and then you had students who may not have access to a computer, may not have the Internet, and we had to find, find out ways to make sure that they were serviced. We were very concerned we were going to lose a lot of students, and I think in the end, when we looked at the numbers, we only lost about 2%, which is amazing to me. Wow. In the spring semester, we only lost about 2% of our students. They stayed with us and, and are still with us now. And completed the semester, which I guess yeah. the semester y'all were in, um, I know the community colleges are a little bit different um, in the, the semester t- time frame. When did that semester end? It's still going. We're we're oh, okay. final start next week, so we're still gotcha. in it. Yeah, we're we're yeah. in that same semester, so we're gearing up for graduation, which we will not have a, a ceremony. We won't do a, a virtual ceremony. What we're doing is creating a web page and a pa- and a packet that we're sending to all the graduates, and they're all invited to participate in next year's graduation if they would like to do that. They're all invited to participate, but. Um, uh, it's, you know, they've missed out on a lot too as well. Um, but we really try to put all our focus in making sure that our classes are still vibrant, um, that there's learning happening. 
uh, one of the big challenges is making sure that people stay socially connected. And so mm -hmm. I've been really impressed with a lot of the social activities they have. I mean, our students in the clubs will have like a movie viewing on Zoom where people watch a movie and they like, they're, it's like in a big room, but they all, you know, watch it together, cooking, cooking, uh, not classes, but well, I guess it's kind of a class, but it's like a cooking segment where people can go on. I, I went on cause I wanted to shoot a little bit of video of people on zoom and shoot it off the, off the computer. And I was blown away at how many people were on there. Um, yeah. watching somebody cook and talking and cooking themselves. It was really, it's really interesting. Um, this, and are those are those official school at, at clubs and activities? And yeah, you, you obviously have like a student who runs the organization, yeah. or how how does it? Okay, yeah, yeah, it is. So it, it varies. I mean, it can be anything from like just this week. Our career education folks who work, who do workforce training, they're having a lot of panels where they'll have people come in, experts talk, and and then people can join and, and do that. Or you might have a club that says we have one club that does bingo every week. They play bingo. <laughs> it's it's hilarious. We have That's one good. one of our yeah one of our most popular zooms is again it's not an official class it's more of a club or an activity I guess you could say um, yoga zoom yoga mm. people are getting on there and doing yoga together um, so I think uh, it's been really interesting to watch how technology you and I right now are talking and, and doing this um, yeah using that same technology, it, it, it comes down to um, what people's imagination can, can concoct and what are people willing to do. So um, it's been, been interesting to watch that and actually very inspiring to see that people, no matter what happens, are still that life force that pushes through. Yeah, and you're on the you're on the the forefront of that. I mean, these are these are young individuals, creative minds, everything at the tip of their fingers. Whether they're coming into college or you know going out into the real world, um, I, I bet. I mean, what has been? I mean, it sounds like the tone's been pretty good um, so far. You know, with everybody. I know it's only like we said, two and a half months in, maybe like week yeah. nine or ten for most people. Um, but I guess. It generally within within what you see on campus and now what you're seeing now virtually has that shifted at all? Um, it, it's interesting. So we were just talking about the early communication was around um, coronavirus or COVID education, mm -hmm. right? And for the first month, really through March and and much of April, not but most of April. It was so geared towards safety and what are we doing to keep you safe and what's changed and how are we doing this that it's almost like I woke up one day and I said to our team, our communications team, uh, and, and we could sense that the fall semester is going to be remote, which we've announced our school will be remote this fall. We've well, that's a big decision too. Uh, how did y'all? Huge. Yeah, I mean that. How was that? I mean that that was tough. But one of the reasons we did that was because our our priority enrollment began a week ago Monday, a week and a half ago, and we did not want to open that without that decision being made. We felt right. that there was an absolute responsibility to the students to know what they were signing up for. And I, I can't speak for other colleges. I know there's a lot of play when they make these decisions, but for us, we felt we had to do that. Are we prepared to shift back if things open up and up? Yeah, we, we showed that we were adaptable where we could shift to the remote learning. We can shift back. But um, 
back to that point, it was like it almost woke up one day and said, now that we pretty much feel we're going to go and fall, we hadn't announced it yet, but we knew there was really good chance of it. We had to shift from talking about all the changes and how we survive in this pandemic and, and, and all those things to really almost saying, look, this is our normal. Uh, I don't want to say it's the new normal, but it's the present normal. Right. And so let's stop talking about how hard this is or how what a challenge it's been. Let's just talk about who we still are. And that is a vibrant college that has a lot of minds that come here. People come to our school, not because they're forced to, because they choose to and ultimately want to better themselves. And that can be anything from I want to learn how to do ceramics to I'm going to become a doctor and this is my first step in getting to medical school. Um, and we need to stay focused on that. None of that changes. That The mission right. still exists, right? And so let's, let's not focus so much on how things have changed. Let's, let's remain focused on what we can still achieve no matter what the situation is. And so that's, that's been our shift is like, and uh, right now, if you go on our website, we have a thing. Uh, there's a little sign next to a computer that says, you got this. Right. You got this. It's positive messaging, but here's the thing yeah. too, is yeah. you as a, as a college got past the hurdle that I think some colleges are still maybe trying to figure out, which is what do we do? What do we not do? Like there's some States you know, like Texas that have opened slightly um, to some extent. And then you have states all over. Well, California definitely has been probably the most strict in terms of the policies, but mm -hmm. you decided within your community, this was going to work best for y'all in terms of just, Hey, this is the, the we've, we're going to get through this and now we can move on, which makes a lot of sense. Cause I think that's the hurdle that I think we as the adults who are making these decisions are trying to figure it out along the way. Yeah. Well, um, so we're in LA County and LA County is the hardest hit of all counties in California. So we are in the middle of the, of the pandemic. Um, so we are very sensitive and, and I should also point out we're in Glendale, the city of Glendale, which has one of the highest per capita rates of coronavirus in LA County, which is the worst County. Wow. So, yeah. Now I live right on the edge of Glendale. I work in Glendale. So I shop in Glendale. Uh, I go to the grocery store and such. It's, I don't think on the surface, it looks much different than any other community that, is masked up and social distancing and going through all that. Um, our hospitals are actually doing okay. Uh, there are a large number of cases, but um, it's very, I think it's quite possible you could go through this pandemic and not be touched by it in, in, in a real personal way. And um, there's almost a, a bit of faith that has to be involved that you have to trust in science and what we're being told uh, because you don't always see it. And it's very easy to convince yourself, well, if I don't see it, it's not happening. And so we felt the school has a responsibility that even though um, a lot of times you can't see it, we know the danger that exists. So we're going to be as responsible as possible. We're going to stay remote because as long as they have uh, social distancing, you can't have more than 10 people together. How, how can you have a class? You can't do it. We're going to try to figure out a way to do certain classes, certain labs, 
certain like machinery welding things where you really need that hands-on we're gonna we have not quite figured that out yet but um, we were going to try to find a way to bring those students back in so they can do that but um we we just felt it was our responsibility to do that to do that shift and and um we did a we did a poll a survey of our students that we just got back this week and we were asking a lot of questions related to how how are we doing are we doing a good job do you feel like you're supported do you feel like you're getting a good education i was i was very um happy to see that uh of our students at least uh 60 to 65 percent were saying we're doing good or excellent not even neutral good or excellent right and how we're how we're conducting our classes do they feel they're getting an education and, and that that was very um reassuring to know that the students felt that way so it gave us that confidence going into fall again we got this if we have to do it this way we got this we're, we're, we're going to be okay um, right. a lot of, a lot of other schools you know they, they have different things they have to figure out um, for us this is the way it's going to be and, and, and we think we can do it successfully yeah i'd love for you to dive in this is kind of ties into a little bit and we can talk about you know your summer enrollment uh classes even fall what you guys are planning to do a little bit but uh i would love to kind of give some people we have people listen all over some mm -hmm. insight into how community colleges are operated within uh, the state of california because that is a very different structure than the structures that are in other states with regards to the UC schools, the state schools, obviously, and any private schools. Do you mind like detailing that out, kind of how y'all work off of enrollment numbers and things like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, and I, I think what you might be getting at is how we're funded, is, is that part of mm -hmm. what you're talking about? So, yeah. Um, yeah, in California, we have 114 or 115 community colleges, if you count uh, Calbright, the online college. Um, and we are funded through the state of California, and we, we have a chancellor's office that oversees all the campuses. Um, traditionally, I can speak for California. I, I'm not sure how other states do it, but traditionally, our funding is based on enrollment, very simply. You have X amount of students, you get X amount of dollars per student, here's your money, boom. And I do think that's fairly common, uh, uh, certainly has been in California for community colleges. But um, we are in the midst of a transition over the last few years. They're shifting how we get funded. It'll now be, they're calling it a new funding formula. And the formula, without getting into too great a detail, will be comprised of, yes, how many students that you have there, but also will also take into account um, uh, measurements of success. Are they graduating? Are you? Are, are they getting certificates? Are they completing? Because one of the big knocks on community colleges is that sometimes students go in and they could be there for six years and never achieve their goals. Um, so there's there's this renewed sense of commitment to making sure these students get through. You're also looking at um, what we call equity students, students that may come from um, populations that may be underserved for education. So you want to make sure that you're trying to bring these folks up. There'll, there'll be measurements tied to that. So um, you would think that with the pandemic that maybe, because we, we are instituting these changes or being phased in over a series of years. And some folks thought like, oh, we're going to put this on hold because of the pandemic. Are we just going to stay with the traditional enrollment numbers only? But no, we've been told, no, nothing changes. P 
people still have needs and we're going to continue on going this way. So and we're fine with that. Um, but we have to be, um, um, we can't just have numbers come in. It's, it's like right. we, we have some measurable goals that we have to do. And I, we could do a whole podcast on that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go down there too much. I, I do think that there are many community college students who come in. They might be at a four-year. They're just coming in to take an English class and then go back to their four-year. Mm-hmm. They'll never graduate. Does that mean that we weren't successful? I would argue that we were very successful. They came and took one right. class and moved on. They didn't get a certificate or a degree, but they were successful. We everybody achieved in that case. Anyway, that's a whole other argument. But yeah, and, and I guess that ties into um, you know the economy has was good yes, <laughs> prior yeah, to this. Yeah, and that's another indicator of you know how um, enrollment numbers can go up or down. And typically, yes. it seems like across the board they kind of were going down. But yeah, has that changed at all? Since so this? very interesting question. So yes, I again I've only been at this college in and working in academia for just about three, just under three mm-hmm. years. First thing I did when I got there because people were saying, you got to get our enrollment numbers up. I was, Boy, there's a lot of pressure for me to change these enrollment numbers. <laughs> What's this all about? And I since learned and, did, and found out. And, and yes, historically, unemployment numbers are down. Uh, if there's if there, there's a lot of people with jobs, our enrollment goes down. When unemployment is high, our enrollment goes up. It's not a big surprise. I was trying to tell people, why would you think that I'm going to walk in here and change what is a national trend? The best analogy I can use is if there's a drought and there's a lack of water or a lack of students, you don't necessarily go find more water. You conserve what you have. And that mean, and I would always say, instead of me trying to find students that don't exist, why don't we make sure the students we have, we take as good of care of them as possible to make sure mm-hmm. they don't leave us and, and, and put our energy into that. That's changing, though. Uh, summer, our summer session, which starts in a few weeks, we are up 50% enrollment, 50. And every semester I've been here, we've been dropping anywhere from three to 5%. Last year we were flat. We actually um, leveled out and, and we're staying flat. So we're up 50%. Why is that? I, we don't know exactly. Part of it could be that, um, part of it could be that people are at home and like, I'm, what am I, else am I going to do? I'm going to take a class. Uh, uh, we're, we're not sure if we're having, and this is what's going to be interesting about fall. We think there is going to be an influx of influx of students that were planning to go to four-year colleges that are going to come to us. Early numbers for fall, we've been uh, open for a week and a half for enrollment. We're only up about 3%, but that's up. We haven't mm-hmm. been up in the last six years. So it's the first time it's trending upward. When we get past priority enrollment, we get to open enrollment on June 1st, which is Monday. We're going to find out because open enrollment is open to anybody. And that would be more likely to be a college student who is planning to go to a four year. Right. And they're like, Oh, I'm not going to move on. And this is where my daughter comes in. This is exactly what happened to my daughter. She's a high-level student, 4.1, and I'm going to brag for a second, but, it's, <laughs> but I'm, doing this to set the, I'm doing this to set the stage. Uh, but, yes, I'm going to brag at the same time. 4.1 GPA. She was captain of a varsity soccer team, president of her show choir, was involved in volunteers. She's an awesome kid, awesome kid. And she got accepted um, 
to uh, a couple colleges in New York, one in you know, uh, up in Washington, and she was dead set. I'm going to leave the state. I'm going to get out of California. I want to live outside and see what else is out there. That came to a crashing halt. We sat down. I had to talk to her, and I, I looked at the tuitions for these colleges, and I said, "This is a lot of money to to have you attend these colleges, and and all those colleges were going to be remote." And I said, I cannot justify paying full freight because you pay that full freight for the, quote, college experience, right, to be there, mm-hmm. to have that. Well, you're not getting it. You're, you're going to be either at home or somewhere online taking these classes. I'm not comfortable sending you to New York or Washington State while this is going on. And in my personal opinion... I think there's going to be a second wave in the fall. And even if people go back to school, I think you may see people sent back home by October, November. It may not happen. I think there's a good chance it could. So anyway, she had to reevaluate and she's now chosen to go to Santa Barbara city college. She's and, and the compromise we made was, Yes, you can move 90 minutes away. You can get out of the house and get away from mom and dad. Um, but you're going to go to a community college, which I, I'm biased, dollar for dollar, best investment in education you can get, especially if you're knocking out general education. Bang those out. Her dream is still to go to New York after two years. And I think there's a lot of students like her. I think there's parents who are very uncomfortable sending their kids away, far away from home. They're not comfortable with amassing lots of debt for not the college experience that they normally would have gotten. And so there isn't, I've seen a couple um, surveys and reports where they're predicting that we could see up to 20% enrollment increases because of that. We may or may not see that. We won't know until it actually happens. But right. uh, we're already up 3% in the early going, and I think in the next couple of weeks will be really telling. Yeah, and what, I mean, when you're trying to, you've always had to work on how you market yeah. your school and, and yeah. serve out and go, okay, what's the messaging? What's the proper messaging? I know you've run sure. some messages like, hey, we want to keep our community here. Why go to another community college? Uh, stay here, you know, like yeah. stay in your, stay in your, and your, your borough, I guess. So yeah. Or, or don't, or don't drive past us to another college. Get off the freeway. We're right here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, why sit in the LA traffic? Nobody wants yeah, to do that. Exactly. But now, um, I mean, traditionally, like those students and who you go after, there's there's obviously different segments with continuing education programs. But um, how do you market, or what type of messages are you looking to 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 get out there to those potential students? Yeah, you know, community colleges are, are such a challenge in a way because our our students are so uh, diverse. They really are. They're there for so many different reasons. Um, however. Um, what you do try to a lot of times is look at what's our biggest group. What's the biggest mass we can go after. And, and traditionally it's the 18 to 24 year old probably going to either get their associate degree or are on their way to try to get a, a bachelor's degree at a four year. So that's, that's usually the big, the big pot that you go after. And um, in this case, yes, I do think, Partially off of personal experience, but also I, you know, I read and I pay attention to what's happening around there. I do think that there are there is an audience out there, as I mentioned, 
parents who are not comfortable sending their kids away. They're not comfortable spending a lot of that money. They're 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 unsure of what's going to happen. Uh, we're going to see companies. We're already seeing them go bankrupt. Some some institutions are going to just disappear before this is all over. So there's all that uncertainty. So um, we sat down and talked that out and said, okay, the, these these are the things we need to address. So uh, the campaign we're putting out, we started to unveil pieces of it, and we'll get more aggressive in the coming weeks. But our campaign, uh, we're calling it Ready and Able. And, and what we're trying to tell people is that as an institution that we are ready for this, we are prepared and we're able, we can handle this. And so when we say ready and able and the emphasis on able, we are stable. We've been, this college has been here for 92 years. We have weathered crises throughout the decades and we have survived. We will survive this. We're stable. We will not disappear tomorrow. Um, we're stable. We're adaptable. We, we proved that we could, under extreme circumstances, dramatically change our education model and switch to remote. And it's been successful. The students are learning. They're getting something out of it. We're creating uh, a social environment that still exists. It may not be in person, but we can still connect through Zoom again, like we're doing right now. So we're, we're adaptable. And the other thing that has not changed, we're affordable. So ready and able, stable, adaptable, affordable. There's lots of ables and there's other ables we can throw in there. Eventually you're transferable and you name it. We can do all those things. Um, yeah. that's, that's what we're going after is to reassure people that we are here. We're not going anywhere. We can change with the times and dollar for dollar, we're a great deal. And with a lot of people losing work, the uncertainty of the economic situation, it just frankly makes a lot of sense. Um, of course, we always fight the stigma, and that's the big one that we always deal with is eh, community college. Eh, eh. If you check your ego and you get over this thing, like I'm going to brag about where my kid went. And here's how I got around this, by the way, with my daughter, by the way, because she was adamant to go. I said, look, just tell people where you were accepted to. You didn't have yeah. to go. I was accepted here, 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 and here. If that means that much to you. Tell them where you were accepted and now tell them where you're going. And you did it with pride. And what was interesting was to watch. She really struggled with that, but she did it about a month before all her friends uh, because we, I, I could see where it was going and I wanted to address it. And then about two weeks ago, the CSU system announced they were staying online. And a lot of her friends were going there and they were panicked. They're like, what? I have to stay at home and go to college? What am I doing? And their parents were... And, and they were coming to my daughter for advice. It was cool. And, and now she became this pillar of wisdom where like three weeks earlier, she was a mess. Like, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. And now she's, <laughs> people are coming to her asking for advice. She's like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm good with this. And now she's really excited. She's heading out to Santa Barbara to look for a place next week. And, and Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. no, that's good. Yeah, that's, no. well, that's it goes into what you're, what we were just talking about and just, you know, you can get, you have to get over certain hurdles and you have to move on. But this 18 year old group right now is going to become way more prepared and stronger for any sort of crises or yep. anything that happens in the future. They've adapted yep. pretty well and, and they've had to, and they've been forced to a lot earlier in age than a lot of us, um, you know, myself. Yeah. Just, Sometimes ever. Do that. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I, so. I completely agree with you. I, and I tell her that. I said, you've lost a lot, but you've gained some things that'll carry you through the rest of your life. I said, you... And, and I also think that there, this, this group, this special group, this class of 2020 high school graduates will carry with them the, the rest of their life. They know that you could lose anything in a moment's notice. That, that I have a feeling that they're going to appreciate things more than any of us ever can because they lost so many things they were counting on. And, um, and they'll appreciate the moment. I think so often we forget the moment. We always worry about the next thing and, and we never live in the moment. And I'm hopeful that yeah. maybe they can do that. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, uh, all the, uh, older generations can stop yelling at the young kids who right? get all that, all the, yeah. all of everything they want. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Table, tables yeah. have turned. Yeah. Uh, man, they're going to be telling all the, uh, the, uh, baby boom generation. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you guys had everything. You had it great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now there, I, I've always felt like everyone talks about the greatest generation, the world war two generation. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like we were all just placeholders for the next grace generation. And I think they might be it. Yeah. We'll and see. it's going to have to change the world, especially with the world we're living in. We so, need um, somebody to do something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not to that, that is a separate podcast. On yeah, its own. Yes, yes, uh, yeah. It's like 15 different ones. We can go on a 10 part series, uh, like the yeah. Jordan doc, which by the way, I wanted to get to before we yes. uh, get off, by the way, all the information has yes. been so great. I do want to yeah. get, You've been filling some time. You've been watching the Jordan doc. Uh, I have not actually. I've read it. I've I've read about it. I have not watched it. Yeah. Well, you have, uh, you were telling me you've got a pretty good story in relation to to some of that. Yeah. Well, yeah. The Jordan, oh man. Okay. It's probably more special to me than anyone else. I might bore you with this, (laughs) but I'll I'll try to tell it as quickly as possible. So when I worked in, when I worked in news, uh, a very good friend of mine was our, one of our sports guy. And I'm a huge sports fan. So I, he and I would go and get passes and, and, and he would work and I'd just glom on. And we, we, so we'd get in locker rooms. And this was, I was in Erie, Pennsylvania. So we'd be back in Cleveland Browns, Buffalo Bills, Pittsburgh Steelers, Cleveland Indians, all that stuff. It was awesome. I, I was in heaven. So I could go and, and playoff games and everything. So Michael Jordan had just come back from baseball. Remember, he took that two-year break, and he yep. comes back in, and it was near the end of the season. So the Bulls uh, had not been as good as they had been when he'd been there the first time. Remember, they did they did three, they did three peat, yep. then they missed two, then they did three peat. So this was in between that. So we're in Cleveland, Gundarina, and it's not a playoff game, but it's like one of the last games of the season. I think in the last two weeks of the season, and it was only. Um, Jordan's like third or fourth game back and it was a national game. It was on NBC and he had had some great games against the Cavaliers where he, he, in the playoffs, he drained shots, clutch shots and killed them. Shot over Elo. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So there, there was history there. And so my buddy and I, we go, he's going as a sports guy. I got to go as his microphone holder. Basically that was, that was the deal. I would get to go, but I'd have to hold the mic in the locker room. So, um, we are in this game and the bowls are getting blown out. They're, they're losing the whole game. And, and so it was just another game. And then he's down on the court shooting video. He gets to go down and he's shooting his own video. And I'm up in the stands way up with the, with the reporters. And then we had an agreement that in the fourth period, 
I would go down to the locker room and get positioned so we could be one of the first people in so we could get an interview with him because we knew there was going to be a big mess. So he sends me down, no big deal. It's a blowout game. I'm walking down. Well, right as I leave, Jordan goes off and he starts hitting shots, hitting shots. And he brings him back within a couple points. And I can hear like the rumblings going. I knew something was up, but I wasn't sure. So now I'm down in the bowels of Gundarina. And I'm in this hallway. There's not a soul in this hall. I'm the only person. There's an NBC sports banner and a set of headphones laying on the ground plugged into a, a box. So I put on the headphones to find out what's going on. I can hear Marv Alpert calling. The, he's calling the game. It's on NBC. I can hear the director calling the shots, like take camera two, take camera three. I'm like, this is cool. I worked in news, so it was, it yeah, was, yeah, it was yeah. Cool. So I, I got the headsets on, and now I'm listening to the game. I'm like, oh my god, he's pulled within a couple points, and and we're down to the final set. You, Marvel, he's going for the shot, and he's doing the whole thing. <laughs> and so the crowd, the building is like rocking, and they get down to the final seconds. I think they're down by like Bulls are down by two. They call a timeout. And they're like, everybody knows Jordan's going to get the shot. Jordan's going to get the shot. So I'm listening, and they start to play. He gets the shot, clanks it off the back iron, game over, Bulls lose. And thirty, not even 30 seconds later, boom, boom, doors burst open. Here, come, here comes Phil Jackson, Scottie Pippen, the entire Bulls team coming by me. I'm looking, I'm like, I feel like I was in third grade. I'm looking up with all these tall guys <laughs> just walking right past me into the locker room. And then just as quickly, the doors close and now it's quiet again. I'm the only one in this hallway. And nobody has quite made it down there yet. And another minute goes by, maybe two minutes. And apparently Jordan's out doing a post-game interview out on the court, even though they lost and he made yeah. a shot. They're doing the post-game. And then the door opens, and here comes Jordan and, like, a ball boy or an assistant. The two of them are watching. That's it, me and these two people. And I'm watching. I'm like, here's the let. This is Babe Ruth. I'm watching Babe Ruth. is walking <laughs> past me. And as he's walking, he looks at the kid, he couldn't have been more than 20. He looks at the kid and he kind of tilts his head and he goes, thought I made that one. And then <laughs> walks into the locker room. I'm like, that was so cool. What other job could I have ever done anything like that? And it was just this moment of, because at the time he was already legendary. And I'm trying to think like, God, if my grandfather told me that he saw Babe Ruth walking in with a bat right after a big game. But anyway, I always remember that's, that. No, that's that's huge. That yeah. I mean, that is a um, very interesting. You saw a moment that not any, not very many people saw. Well, that was it. It was he let his guard because he's such a measured guy, right? Yeah. And, and even then, it was still kind of slick. <laughs> but yeah. but just that one moment to have him and and. You know, we always say, oh, we missed it. Oh, we must be devastated. Well, it's just another game. He's kind of like, oh, yeah, I thought I made that. Didn't make it. Yeah. No, it shows. It yeah. shows. I mean, he's a, he always thought he made it. And he's, yeah. he's, yeah. Old, he, I mean, when he, what he never would have said he didn't think he was going to make it. Right. But, right. But he felt like he had to express that, which is kind of, you know, yeah, yeah. You get it. You get yeah, it. It was hilarious because then, then <clears throat> shortly after, everybody comes in, and my buddy shows up, and then we all pile in. And 
I get positioned right around his locker. He's off taking a shower, and there's just this little stool next to his locker, and this beautiful pair of shoes are sitting right in front of the locker, and I'm kneeling down, and I'm crowded. All these people are around me holding microphones. There must have been at least 25 people crowded because he yeah. just, you know, he just come off of retirement, right? And he's coming back yeah. in. So wherever he went, I think this was happening. And so I'm holding the mic for my buddy, Bill. And and everyone's joking because it essentially looked like we were interviewing a pair of shoes because <laughs> he's not even there. And then he eventually came out. And it was, it was very interesting because he comes out and he's like, okay, guys, I'll answer your questions. Can you just give me a, a foot or so? Can you just make a little bit of room? And so we're kind of jostling and pushing our way out and he sat down and for the next 20 minutes he answered every single question some even really dumb questions yeah and he never made anyone feel stupid he was he was just very professional and and i think i'll always remember that about him and i think it's it's uh he's the epitome of of a full a full i mean everything that an athlete is that has been shaped he he what he did it because yeah. he was great with the press he was great on the court and he just the full package but yeah, yeah that's a great story and um i have nothing better to end i don't have my own jordan story <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. we can end it there but honestly yeah. drew i really do appreciate you taking time um and really providing and i think a lot of those people who are in the education space are dealing with the same things you are um and you you are a definite voice um, and especially too with with parents of of kids who are still in high school or have graduated this year. So really do appreciate coming on and joining us here in the queue. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. And I would just say to my colleagues out in the business, just keep doing what you're doing. You're you're, you're fighting the good fight, and uh, uh, we do this job because we help people, and and we're helping people. So just just keep doing what you're doing. That's great. All right, thank, thank you. you. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Q1 Media. Q1 Media partners with agencies and brands all across the nation for all their digital marketing needs, whether it's CTV, OTT, location-based mobile device ID targeting, search engine marketing, targeted display, any research and data that you need, whatever it is, Q1 Media can help with your marketing efforts. Please check out Q1 Media's website at q1media.com. That's Q, the number one, media.com. You can view case studies, examples of our work, uh, or just check out more episodes of the podcast, The Q, Conversations in Digital Media.